Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I have cracked the code. Yes. And yes, I'm very excited. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you why. I wrote a song about it. Here we go. I truly believe that the way to get the lesson, the way to get the download, the gem, or whatever it is that was the purpose of your pain is to truly identify the situation or examine it in a way that is not emotionally based. There is something so spiritually profound by having a God's eye view on a thing. I've always imagined that my life is pretty much a house with no roof. Like God sees everything, every nook and cranny, things that I can't see. So he has a perspective that I don't have. But when you're living inside the house, you only have a very limited view. And it's based upon your senses, what you can see, what you can smell, what you can touch, those type of things, right? But when something happens to you, viewing it in that way, that perspective will never serve you. And I truly believe that things happen for us and not to us. I believe that if we were to get the lesson, we dismantle the enemy in ways that we would never be able to articulate. And the way to do that, to journey life in that vein, is to simply have a God's view perspective. His ways will always be higher than ours. He, we will never be able to understand how things come about. There's just some things we will never get, but we have to change the perspective. And what I am noticing is the foundation of anything that keeps us trapped, keeps us emotionally anchored, keeps us in a place or a space that God never intended is you feel your way through. It sounds a lot like, man, how could they do that to me? I was so good to them. How could such and such, you know, I would have never, you know, it, it, and it hurts because if I had the opportunity to do that exact same thing, I wouldn't have done it. And it's, while all of that may be logically sound and it may even be emotionally intelligent, it doesn't serve the purpose that I feel like will fuel us to our next level. And so I have been very, very cognizant on dissecting things where it fuels me and I'm not just feeling it. I believe those are two different things. Because if you feel it, you wear it, you drag it with you. If it fuels you, you dissect it, you got what you needed from it, and you are able to lightly go to the next level. I want us to be people who soar to the next level and not be sore when we get there. You see what I'm saying? And in order to truly do that, I feel like God gave me a cheat code real quick. I was like, wait a minute. And I'll give you a little bit about where this came from. If you're anything like me, sometimes your mind likes to go back into past situations and replay all the events that may have 
you know, been an injustice. They shouldn't have done. How could they have done this? Whether it was a friendship, a relationship, platonic or romantic, a job, a whatever. You just feel like, especially if you're big hearted, you feel like, bro, you know what? Like real talk. The reason why it hurts so much is because you ain't have to do me like that. There's some people that really be out here trying to scam people emotionally, trying to scam people on a lack of integrity and I'm just not one of those grandbabies so the fact that you felt it okay to that you had a sound mind and decided to fulfill that particular whatever you were going to do fill in the blank is beyond me that you would feel like I was the person that deserved that and a lot of the times the emotional weight the emotional anchor comes from the fact that we simply feel this one statement i did not deserve that and then that's what really can it can go another way that you shouldn't go it'll start having you dissect your value what did you do differently this that and the third and you'll probably subconsciously start shifting yourself Cause now you have the, okay, so if that happened and I was this way, then I'm never going to have that happen to me again. And so now you start to peel back layers of you that God is like, man, if you peel that back, it's going to take so many years. It's going to take so much intercession. It's going to take so much to get that back because I naturally innately gave that to you. It's just that you gave that to the wrong person. There are some people that never had an issue with trust, never had an issue with love, never had an issue with starting friendships and letting people in, never had an issue with viewing people as valuable. But then some people came into their lives and they shared that particular innate ability to just effortlessly love, to effortlessly forgive, to just do things that it takes the, the average person like years to do. You just do it effortlessly. And you don't understand that it's not that you should have never, it's you should of never giving that to that person. So instead of shifting you and peeling back layers of you, what you need to realize is that I will never give that to this type of person again. The dissection shouldn't happen on you. It should happen on who you gave that to. So it should look a lot like instead of you saying, oh, I'm never going to be in that situation again. And I'm never going back to those type of churches again. And I'm never dating that type of stature person again. And I'm never dating that age group, that birthday that I'm never going to be in that particular career field again. Instead of doing that to yourself look at the characteristics and the coordinates of the person and say okay so next time that I find someone whose words are inconsistent with their actions the next time that I find that someone seriously mistreats people and I think that they're going to treat me better the next time that I see that there's nobody here flourishing in this company and that the leadership is harsh and that they smile on your face, but then they throw you under the bus in an email, I'm going to take note to that and say, mm, this is probably not where I want to grow. This is probably not the person that I want to go with. This is probably not the place that I want to go ahead and plant myself in their vicinity. But when we misconstrue the portion that we're supposed to dissect, we literally 
peel back layers of ourselves that God is like, but the person that I had for you, but the company that I wanted you to be in, but the places that I wanted you to go, the reason why I gave that to you is because they're going to flourish and they're going to have success from the things that you have innately. So if I'm sending you somewhere with a particular set of skills that nobody else has but you, if you get there and you don't have it, now the thing and you remains insufficient. Like if I sent you into that company because you just have a way to do A, B, and C, but then you peel that back, now the company is insufficient and so are you. Because God answers prayers and he fixes problems and he aids to solutions through people. And the enemy knows that and he doesn't like that and he actually hates that. And so what he does is he tries to dismantle the person so that the promise and the purpose is never fulfilled. That's why when the men went ahead, the wise men went ahead and said, you know what? There was a savior that was born. I could tell by the star. We're going to just go ahead and find him so that we can fellowship and, and worship him. And the, the king that was in place at that time was like, cool. And when you do come back and let us know where he's at, um, there's something in the fact that they had to know time out. Something about what you just said is off. Something about what I'm feeling about is off. And so they felt led. And they were given the spiritual instruction, don't go back the same way you came because the, the king that's saying, hey, we want to go ahead and worship him. Yeah, uh, what we really want to do is hurt him. And so sometimes it takes a spiritual download. I know what they said, but let me reveal what they mean. I, I know that they look the part because he's a king. But let me actually show you that uh, he's a heart-hardened Pharaoh. And so I did all of this because if I'm honest, this conversation is based on the fact that I was feeling some type of remorse from the job that I left. Uh, I don't know if it has to do with the fact that mm, sometimes it comes in my dreams, which pause, let me just dissect that real quick. Anything that is not solved in your soul will spill out in your dreams. Because if it's still in your soul, then it still partakes and has access to your mind, subconsciously or consciously. So whatever's happening in your dreams, whatever's happening in, in the subconscious and your emotions, whatever's happening there, once you are a part of your waking life, when you're not dreaming, that's where you need to dissect. If this is still reoccurring in my dream, if this is still reoccurring somewhere in my mind, that means that it's not completely solved in my soul. And that's when you got to get God on the job. You have to dissect it, put it in the sun, shine some light on it. Say, God, this is obviously still an issue because it keeps coming back up. And honestly, I don't even think about these things from day to day. So if it's coming up in this way, then that means that it's still an air bubble somewhere in my soul. And that's free of charge. That was from the Holy Spirit. But I was thinking about the job. And and not in a way like, oh, I miss it. Just like on a like, yeah. I was starting to feel a level of disdain 
Because from time to time, depending on where I'm going, I have to drive past it. And so, you know, you have to like, ugh, that, that kind of thing. And I always said this to myself, you will know your level of healed based upon how you feel when that person's name is bought up, when that company name is bought up, like whatever it is, if you still feel like a, ooh, it's like, oh, you're not healed from that yet. Because there's some things, listen, bring up your, your first relationship, your first job, you don't feel anything from that. And it's not because, oh, it was so many years ago, it's not because you're far that much further along or removed it's because you actually solved that in your soul like ah, it is what it is or however you did it it's not an issue but the things that you haven't solved you still get an emotion like it happened last week yeah you still feel some kind of way don't bring up such and such his name. Why? Why would you want to hold yourself hostage in that way? Why would you want to hold yourself to a place that your trigger, your life is a trigger word or a trigger phrase or a triggered company? Like, we're not living that way. No, no, no. It happened for me. Nothing happens to me. So, in that vein, I was thinking about the job. And I felt some kind of way. I felt some kind of way. I was like, I cannot believe these people knew that I was working as hard as I was working, that I was as innovative as I was, I was coming up with processes. I was doing things that was clearly making the unit better. I was running the unit at some point because they ran the HR director out of the position. And so literally it was literally God making it where it was being conducted and staying afloat off of the strength that God gave me. Like he let me put that cross on my back and I carried it. God allowed me the strength, the wisdom, the understanding, the perspective to carry that. And I knew it had to be God because I didn't have all the years experience that the, that the director had. I didn't have all the years experience that anyone else around me had, but there was a certain type of anointing that could not be denied. God was letting me come up with some things that I became the go-to person. Okay. So this is what we need to do. And these people started pointing, Oh, you should go ask her. She's going to know exactly what to do. They were having meetings and calling me and like, okay, so how do we attack this? And so it was clear that the difference maker was clearly the anointing that God placed on me to be there. But y'all didn't treat it that way. Y'all treated this like you can get this from a temp agency. Y'all treated this like you can get this fresh out of college. Y'all treated this like, eh, you know, we can just get an intern real quick. And y'all didn't see that God was on the ones and twos. Like you didn't see that. And for the first time thinking about it, just briefly, honestly, I didn't really give it a whole bunch of play. I just was like, man, how come I feel like I'm still thinking about this job in any capacity. And then God reminded me of the conversation we had about rejection. And as clearly as I could hear it, the Holy Spirit reminded me. And I heard God so clearly. He said, they didn't reject you. They rejected me. I said, God, speak to me. Speak to my heart, Lord. Unlock whatever that is. Unlock whatever dungeon that I may have not even known that I buried it in. Unlock it, reveal it, let's dissect it so it can be my fuel so I don't have to feel this again. And I went ahead and I read in James something so beautiful that I was like, I have to dissect this. In James, it clearly says in chapter one, I'm going to go to verse 17. You know, I read in the NLT version. Whatever is good and perfect 
is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in heavens. He never changes or casts a shift in shadow. What got my attention was whatever is good, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father. So I was like, wait a minute. Because I literally felt at one point, God, you sent me here. Like the way that I was able to maneuver through the, the company and I was, they created a position for me because I saw that there was a need. Like it was, I was a little bit nervous. I was like, oh, I, I need to pitch this idea. But I thought like, yo, you're supposed to wait like a little bit, like a year, but it was 30 days. And God was like, yo, tell them that they need this. And I would tell them that they needed this and they created it. And I'm like, hey, we need to come up with this process. And they're like, cool, take the lead. So it was clear that the anointing was there. It was clear that it was being respected. It was clear that there was fruit and then when the HR director left then there started to be some changing variables in that and it went from me feeling like an answered prayer to me actually praying for God to give me an answer it literally started to shift and so God was like do you remember when Jesus sent out the two by two I was like yes he said what did he tell them in a nutshell for anyone who didn't accept them I said he said dust his dust your feet <laughs> and pretty much, go, you know, leave their home. He was like, right. Because when people don't accept the gift that God is trying to send through other people, they're not rejecting the person they're rejecting God. And it led me to go back to the Israelites when they wanted to look like everyone else and have a king. I'm going to read from 1 Samuel 8. Again, you know, I read from the NLT version. Let's start it from the top. As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, held court in Beersheba. But they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. Four, finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to just us, all like all the other nations have. Six, Samuel was displeased with their requests and went to the Lord for guidance. Seven, do everything they said to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Eight, ever since I have bought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment. Nine, do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. Pause. Um, wow. There's so much in that because what the Israelites should have done is just brought to Samuel the attention of like, yo, you were dope. Your sons are lacking the dopeness. Uh, we don't think it's a good idea that they reign over us because we can already see the lack of integrity. So if you can go back to God and ask um, 
what should we do? That would be great because we don't know, but what we do know is that they're not like you. Instead, what the Israelites did, and it's what most people do, is that they found the issue and they also came up with a solution. You cannot see the problem and then also have the solution if you never ask God. You never ask God because look at the difference. The Israelites was like, okay, so here's what we want to do. Look, verse five, look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Problem. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. Solution. But what's the answer that Samuel gave? Six, Samuel was displeased with their requests and went to the Lord for guidance. You see the difference? When you are walking in flesh, you see the problem, you don't like it, you come up with another solution. All of that is flesh-based. Samuel heard what they said, was displeased, flesh, but went to the Lord for guidance, spiritual. You see the wisdom in that? You can feel what you feel, you can see what you see, but who's guiding the solution is the game changer. And to read God's answer, oh my goodness, for the, like I'm starting to read the Bible in a way that I'm like, God, I'm sorry you had to go through that, bro. Like we are trash. <laughs> I am so sorry. Like this is ridiculous to have to admit it's not you, bro, it's me. I mean, like, read this with the heart of a loving God who went through all that he went through to to create in the first place, to go ahead and then do the plagues, to have Pharaoh and all the men drown in the Red Sea. Like, he's doing so much. Like, read that with this with that kind of heart. Look at verse 7. Do everything they say to, to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I bought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment. Pause. Oh, we are so trash. We are trashy. <laughs> like, it's just, it's like, I'm, I'm sorry, God. But then if they did it to God, they're going to do it to us, right? Because who appointed Samuel? God. Who, who was the one in the first place that was like, I need a prophet for my people, God. So God sent Samuel and the people were like, nah, we don't want your sons no more. They not like you, blah, blah, blah. So God was like, do not be confused on it. If I sent you and they're rejecting the way that I'm trying to lead through you, then what they're really doing and what they don't understand is that they're not rejecting you, sir. They're rejecting me because I sent you. It's almost like if you give someone a Christmas present or a birthday present and they look at the present, they put the box to the side. They didn't reject the present. They rejected the person given the present it's like you didn't even give it a chance you didn't even open up you didn't even ask the questions like if you didn't understand where we were going why didn't you why didn't you just inquire but there's some things that we're going to have to stop taking personally because it has nothing to do with us you know how I know it has nothing to do with us because when it says in verse 9 do as they ask but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them Samuel literally went into great detail on how harshly they were going to be ruled under a king. And them folks was like, cool, still want it. I'm going to go ahead and read it. 
10. So Samuel passed on the Lord's warning to the people who were asking him for a king. This is how a king will reign over you, Samuel said. The king will draft your sons and assign them to his chariots and charioteers, making them run before his chariots. Some will be generals and captains in his army. Some will be forced to plow in his fields and harvest his crops. And some will make his weapons and chariot equipment. 13. The king will take your daughters from you and force them to cook and bake and make perfumes for him. He will take away the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his own officials. He will take a tenth of your grain and your grape harvest and distribute it among his officers and attendants. He will take your male and female slaves and demand the finest of your cattle and donkeys for his own use. He will demand a tenth of your flocks and you will be his slaves. When that day comes, you will beg for relief from this king you are demanding but then the lord would not help you what did they say 19 but the people refused to listen to samuel's warning even so we still want a king they said pause bro are you in your right mind you mean to tell me that you know that females aren't this monogamous and loyal? You mean to tell me that you understand that all men are not this honest and loyal? You mean to tell me that you understand that not all businesses really get, put a chance on you and promote you in that way? You mean to tell me that you understand not all workers work in this fashion as if they're working unto the Lord and not unto man like the way that Colossians 3.23 says? You mean to tell me that you understand that this is not regular and you understand that what's going to come after this may not be the best. They may not be the most loyal. They may not have the most integrity. They're not going to be the most consistent. And you know that. And still you're like, yeah, we still want that. Why? Because whatever it is, it looks like other companies. Whatever it is, it's a little bit cheaper. Whatever it is doesn't require for you to go to the next level of excellence. And so because the first portion is going to stretch you, the first portion is going to cause you to really possibly give somebody else a shine. The next portion is probably going to bring greatness. But it's like, you know what? But no, you rather look like everybody else. So you want to select everybody else and you don't realize you're rejecting God's best. And when you reject God's best, you're actually ultimately rejecting God. I don't understand how the Israelites heard the laundry list of this is getting ready to be terrible. Okay. Terrible. Y'all sure that y'all want to go ahead and... <laughs> And you're like, yeah, this is what we want. And and I had to think about it. I was like, why is this a part of y'all palate? And it's because for some people, when your origin is Egypt, doesn't matter what beauty comes after that, you will still have a desire and a palate for Egyptian living. Y'all prayed for decades of centuries and was like please it's too harsh here pharaoh's making us build brick with no straw somebody anybody help me and god helps and then afterward you're like but also still give me that same lifestyle just not there over here they heard all of this and to their mind it was cool we had worse before this is right up our alley. Really? No one healed in their right mind will go back to the vomit that made them sick. 
no one healed in their right mind will still find attractive the very thing that was abusive. No one healed in their right mind will go back to an environment that literally was destined to kill them emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. That is the litmus test to your healedness. That are you truly still having a palate, having a craving for the things that you had to pray for God to take away from you, that you had to pray for God to take you out of. You prayed to be removed and now you crave it. That should be a little disturbing. And when I read that in 19, but the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning, quote, even so, we still want a king, they said. Wow. And the rest of the chapter reads 20. We want to be, we want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. 21. So Samuel repeated to the Lord, what the people had said, 22. And the Lord replied, do as they said and give them a king. Then Samuel agreed and sent the people home. Yo, <laughs> I think that God pretty much, you know, he got the insight that we need to catch up to. It's just some people just don't want better. Some people just don't want to be saved. Some people just don't want the abundant living and lifestyle and all of that that is they're supposed to be heirs to. There's just certain things that no matter how much you present your excellence that they just decided in their mind they're not promoting you. That no matter how beautiful and intelligent and consistent and monogamous and well-kept and favored by the Lord and all the things, they just do not see you as marriage material. No matter how consistent and all the other traits that are so difficult to come by, somebody has already adjusted their palate to, this is what I'm looking for. I know what you've shown me, but that's not what I crave. And it's like, okay, big dog, because let me explain something to you. There's no way you could have been under the leadership and guidance of Samuel, saw the difference in his son, and decided, mm, well, let's choose something worse. A healed palate would have said, Samuel, can we get somebody else that's just like you? Yeah, like I, I can't experience that level of peace, that level of clarity, that level of joy, the fruits of the spirit that came about, the way that I, I felt like a better me, the my confidence was built up. I'd like experiencing you gave me a different experience from myself, like a different experience in life. And so if that's what I experienced under a Samuel and I see the direct difference the the polar opposite in his sons, then there's no way that I'm going to then choose a different door of destruction. I'm going to ask for a different Samuel. So the litmus test to um, healthy is, uh, can I get another batch of healthy? Not can I, once you tell me what's behind door C, a king, that you like, cool, I, I just want to be able to just look like somebody else. Are you that married to culture 
and the silhouette of what success looks like that you don't realize that once you go through that door, it is going to starve your soul. You are not going to be satisfied. You are not going to be content. You are not, but you want that title, that position, that relationship, that tangible item so bad that you don't care about its contents. You don't care how it makes your soul feel. You just want the silhouette of it all. Really? Is that what we have emerged to as a society? Like somebody tell me, like, is that what we're doing? Because for for them to hear the harsh display of what's behind door C. Okay, so door A was Samuel. Okay, that was pretty much popping that we should have just stopped there. Door B was his sons. We like Joel and Abijah. Y'all, this is not it. But door C for the king, you sure at the awful? It said that buddy's going to be super harsh. He gonna make y'all wake up super duper early, go to sleep super duper late. You gonna your workload's gonna be unmanageable. She's going to cheat, sir, uh, ma'am. He's not going to be loyal nor faithful. He's not gonna put you first. Like you hear all the like. This is what it's like. Your homegirl telling you like, oh, you want to date him? Let me tell you how he did everybody else. Let me tell you what he's going to do to you. And you're like, cool, but slide him my number though. <laughs> really? Hmm. Oh, okay. Um, mm, for a selfie, mama. Sir, just to bring somebody to your work event, ma'am, just to pull up skirt in the in the tangible item, just to say that you live over there. Why? Like, what's the cost that you're willing to pay for that silhouette? And I guess that's just what it is. The reason why this connected to me so bad was because when I was having the conversation right before I gave him my two weeks notice at that prior job, I was speaking to the new HR director and she was like, I don't get it. They know that you're valuable. They know that you brought about such a change. They know that everything that you've done like, we ain't going to be able to find another you. Like, it is difficult to find good workers, especially ones that you can trust and rely on. And, you know, they have all these capabilities. She was like, people don't want to work no more and not work to the level of it makes your company look good. She was like, I don't get it. And for a while, up until this conversation, that's what echoed in my soul. I don't get it either. If I'm being completely honest with you, it made me shed a couple of thug tears. Cause I was like, I don't get it. Like how, like I, how could y'all? And I promise you again, the soul hug that God gave me was baby. They didn't reject you. They rejected me. Cause I was working through you. I was allowing for you to manage the, the workload that many would have broke under the person that was in that seat to personnel employees ago they had so many complaints it was outrageous there was I mean it was the whole unit was suffering because the people in the seats couldn't carry the load so there was a supernatural anointing on you to carry it different because you was called to they saw that but they didn't care 
Because the change that God was asking me to bring was we're going to have to go ahead and do this unit different. Y'all don't, the way that y'all constructed this unit doesn't work. So if we're going to flow better, then maybe we should open up another seat. Maybe we should go ahead and, you know, so I did the research and, and, and was even asked, hey, compare it to other, you know, HR departments. How does that look? This, that, and the third. And so I did all my homework and this, that, and the third. And even after presenting it, it still was a resounding no. Because this is the way that they've always done it. And they did not want to implement the change that was going to bring forth greatness. And I'm so glad that Holy Spirit brought this back to my remembrance. And I'm even more grateful that God just for once and for all sealed it in my soul. They didn't reject you. They rejected me. And so the takeaway that I had was <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to take nothing else personal. Because again, in James, it says every good gift, every good and perfect gift, gift comes down from our father. So when people are rejecting where God is sending you, how God is sending you, what God's bringing forth through you, we got to stop looking at the, the person that they're rejecting and realize that they're rejecting the source because <laughs> I didn't send myself there. Yeah. I, I, if it was up to me, I would have been somewhere else. You understand? Like there was just certain things. It's like, ah, you're lost. And I think we're really going to have to take that like truly and truly. So my challenge to you is whatever is replaying and reoccurring in your soul that you didn't have an answer to, you couldn't put pinpoint. Why would they do? I mean, I don't understand. And I gave them my best and you did whatever. I want you to go ahead and uh, press stop on that continual mind play. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and stop the tape now and just seal and solve the case with the following statement. They did not reject you. They rejected the God that sent you. So don't take that personally, big baby. <laughs> don't take it personal. Take them bitter with the sweet. You understand? Like, it is what it is. We're not taking nothing else personally. We're going up, up, and more up. And the people who realize that we actually have flying capabilities while they're on land is they're lost. Because we this this particular plane is not making a, I'm not doubling back. Because then that means I have to uh, regress to get you. Mm-mm. On the dashboard, it's all things progress. So have a nice day. You understand? All right, but listen, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. You know what these conversations are, though, right? Right. They're life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person's going to have with you, but who your favorite home girl. Okay? Uh, www.createdthenumber2multiply.com. That's for all the things that are all the things. Your girl is also on the YouTubes. <laughs> Yes, created the number two multiply. Uh, it's listen. She's just doing all the things. She's working out on purpose, and you know what? She's keeping purpose. the The main thing is the main thing. You understand? But what we won't do is have uh the past <laughs> competing with purpose. 
Y'all have a nice day. Who's doing it? Not she, not me, not her, not us. Okay. But I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. You got YouTubes and websites and stuff to look up because we support one another. Hmm. No pressure. I'm just giving you that pressure. Uh, but uh, you have a good one. Okay. <laughs> Later. <laughs>